line, golf line. Calling on the golf line for your swing, for your swing. Golf line, golf line. Can't you call it on the golf line with Jay Larson? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Golf Line Podcast with Jay Larson. I am Jay Larson. This is the Golf Line Podcast. What is up, you guys? Um, man, so much is happening. We're in, you know, when you get a podcast off the ground, you're going and you're going, and then all of a sudden, you're just, it's just, you're doing it, you know? And I uh, appreciate everyone who's been listening, everyone who's been sharing, rating, reviewing, uh, commenting. Again, I don't care if you rip on the podcast. Just give it five stars, baby. That's how we used to do it over at my uh, first podcast, The Crap Beast. We used to say, we don't care if you say, fuck The Crap Beast. Just get five stars. And that became our motto. You know what I mean? Um, and you know what? I'm going to give a special thanks to all The Crap Feast listeners that are out there listening right now. What's up, Feaster Nation? Um, great to have all of you guys out here um, listening, participating, and helping build this little community around golf that we love um as always i'm jay larson comedy on social media instagram facebook uh the tick and the talk um please go out there and subscribe and follow i, I post tour dates and fun videos a lot of my golf videos that i do over the Moore show as well so go give those a peep uh i want to talk a little bit about walking the course versus riding the course you know, it's always like an issue, not an issue, but like, are you going to walk? You're going to ride. What do you like to do? Like, and then you have those buddies. There's a, there's a comedian. I'll have him on at some point. Court McCown. Court, what's up, buddy? Court McCown is a very funny guy. Was big in the 80s in movies. Was like in Teen Wolf, Can't Buy Me Love. Like the life he was leading in the 80s, I don't even, I can't even imagine. And he picked up golf late in life. And was playing like in a celebrity pro-am and met Jesper Parnovic. Ended up becoming his caddy for a long time. Like if if Jesper was going to do certain swings, Court would go with him. Anyway, when you play with Court, he's never riding. Okay? He's also in like great shape. He's a, he's like a plus one. Um, and he's just – he's also like just one of the coolest cats you're ever going to meet, you know? Um, anyway – he likes to walk. And then you see guys going through health kicks or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I'm just going to walk. And they, they get – when someone's elevated to the level where they have their own pull cot, you know what I mean? When you pull up and you see them getting it out and they got a nice one. You know, like when you're at that level where you're not even renting it, you just have one, you're a walker. And that's great. And this is what I love about walking, of course, is there's so much more thought. I feel like I'm just more connected to my golf game when I'm walking. You know what I mean? If I hit a tee shot and I didn't do something great, when I'm walking to it, I'm thinking like, well, what did I do? You know, I'm feeling the contour of the ground. I'm feeling how soft the ground is. And I just, I feel like I'm better connected to my shots. You know, I don't have a ton of distraction. I don't have a screen up here that I'm clicking to see what the next hole is. I don't have music going. I don't have a a beer here, a water there, a Snickers there, my phone there. You know what I mean? I don't have all these things and I'm just focused on my game. There's also something like when you get a nice pull card about having like a little little drink here and a little compartment there, but you just it's not as accessible. And I just think you're like better connected to the game. Um at the same time. And if you're playing car path only, the best is to have a pull cart because Carpath only is the worst. I mean, I'll talk about that another time. But the thing I love about riding is everything I just said that it isn't when you're walking. I love being able to sit in the cart. I got the screen up here. I got my I got my snack that I brought from home that's still in play because I'm at like hole two. I got a drink here. If I got cigars, they're over here. There's a lighter there. My buddy's got music going. I'm checking. You know, I got a couple emails to check. I check them. Even though, even when I ride, I try not to have my phone because it just takes me out of it. Um, so, I, you know, listen. I would say nine out of ten times, I'm riding, brother. One out of ten, I'm walking, you know. Nine whole courses, you're always walking. I have shoulder straps for my bag. Although I do prefer a pull cart. And uh, I think it's a vibe. You know what I mean? I think it's like, what vibe are you into that day? Are you 
looking to hang with your boys and you want to do the carts or do you want to walk it? You know, what one thing that's great is you ever see like those old dudes, they have the sit down, like they pull the chair out and they have everything they could need in their little pull cart. Um, nine out of 10. I'm riding. I'm riding, brother. And every now and then I'm walking. And uh, I, I don't think anyone's better than the other for, you know, each thing to each his own pick. I remember one time, tell me, let me know what you guys think. Hit me up on social. I'm playing with my buddies, and we, there's three of us. We get two carts. A fourth joins us. He's got a pull cart, or he's got his bag. And my buddies say, you going to let that guy ride with you? And I go, no. Why would I, why would I let that guy ride with me? They're like, you're not going to offer? I'm like, no, I'm not offering. And they go, why not? I'm like, because I don't want to ride. I, I don't know him. It's kind of close quarter. You know, it's like all of a sudden I got to like adjust to the way you play. I got to be like, oh, wait, where'd you hit? Who do we go to? No. Does he drive two once in a while? Is he chipping in for half that cut? No. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But if you think there is, please let me know. I'm I'm open to criticism. Um, You know, I just, I just want to play a good round. Uh, Let's get into some calls. It's enough about me and my walk or ride. Um, this first one, I think we all have a best round, right? Everybody has a best round story. And, uh, we got a call out here about his best round. Let's hear about it. Hey, golf line. It is Tyler Abbott calling. Um, I live in Toronto, Canada, just North of Toronto, Canada. I am a 3.5 handicap. I just shot my greatest round ever. I shot a 69 at Red Crest. Um, so my question for you is what is your best round ever? And how did you feel after it? I was obviously super hyped. I shot a 69 night, uh, but, um, I bogeyed the last two holes. The last two holes are actually two of the easiest holes on the golf course. Um, so I was almost a little triggered by that. I wasn't as happy as I think I should have been. So that's my question for you. What is your best round and how did it leave you feeling? Did it leave you excited uh, and happy or were you kind of more like me where you're not happy unless it's absolutely perfect? Um, Cause I, I left two easy bogeys out there. So let me know. Tyler. First of all, you got to respect any guy who signs off with Keep it tight. Who is who is signing off with? All right, man. Keep it tight. I don't even know what that means, Tyler. Does it mean keep it fresh? What is, does it mean? Like stay in shape? Does it mean uh, you know fairways and greens? All right, man. Keep it tight, baby. Who is saying keep it tight? First of all, it sounded like Tyler just walked off the course. Didn't it sound like that's how hyped he was? He's like, I gotta call someone who as many people as possible. Let me get it out to the airwaves of the golf line. One, eight, three, three, my golf line. Um, <laughs> so much great stuff. So three and a half index, right? You're playing to a three and a half. He's shot under par before. Okay. That's something that I've never shot under par. So first things first is not only is he shot under par, but he got into the sixties, dude, guys don't get into the sixties. I'll, I will never, I can, if I never get in the sixties in life, I'm not going to be upset. Cause it's like, yeah, no, I'm never going to get towards the sixties. So dude, fucking, I love how much you're enjoying that you did this. First of all, no one knows red crest. All right. So let's settle down with that. All right. Who's th- he's throwing out red crest. Like he's talking about pebble. You know what I mean? Like he's talking about Augusta. Like it was a red crest. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and I would say that sounds like a fancy course, but every course name sounds like a fancy course. You know, Red Crest does actually sound like it's nice. Um, three and a half handicap. Love your style. Which means, you know, if you're like a three and a half, you got to look at it like he's probably like has days where he's so a three and a half par, average par 72. You're at like what a 76 is like his average. I mean, let's, I'll tell you right now, 76 is my best. That's my best. What your average probably is, Tyler, is my best. And Court McCown, who I talked about walking, I was with Court. Uh, actually, I shot a 78 with Court. He shot a 76. And then another time I shot a 76. 
Although I don't have that scorecard, so I don't know. It might be a 77. Either way, it's either a 78, 76, or 77. But I do think it's a 76. Four over. That's two bogeys aside. Which, like, when you get to a certain point, you can look at golf and be like, I think I could keep two if I just focus on getting pars and get a bogey here and there when I slip up. I could definitely hit a a 76. As a matter of fact, I haven't golfed in, like, Six months now with the Achilles, and then before that, I have a feeling next time out, once the ankle's healed up, I think I'm going to be shooting the low 70s every time. Isn't that what we all think? I mean, that's what I'll be doing. Uh, I love it, dude. 69. I think you should be excited. I I remember that day that it was one day at Tierra Rajada and another day with Court. I can't remember where I played with Court. But, like, I play better when I play with people who are really good because – they're usually focused on the game. It's something to live up to. They'll talk a lot. I like guys who talk golf. I don't like to just sit there and play. So I think whatever your excitement level is, is great by me. You know what I mean? 69, dude. Woo! Um, I would love to know what you shot the next round. <laughs> you know what I mean? What was your next round is what I want to know. Did you go 69? 72 or did you go 69 like 81 because you just couldn't stop talking about the 60 like you just you know like you get paired up with a twosome that you never play with and they're like oh you guys played here before right Chris? you guys played it yeah i played a couple days ago you find a way to get to the conversation about your 69 you know what i mean that's what we're all doing and you know what dude you know what i never used to celebrate my birthday i would never celebrate i hated it i didn't want to celebrate it and then i hit an age and i was like you get one day a year one day a year to celebrate yourself do whatever you want. People, they they celebrate you. How often are you going to shoot a 69, bro? Enjoy it. Take it on. Share it with the world. I love it, buddy. Tyler, thanks for calling in, man. Thanks for sharing with us your successes. Anyone else who's jealous of him, you should be. The guy shot a 69. What are you doing shooting in the 80s? The worst is when you meet someone who's like not big in a golf and you're like, how do you play? And they're like, I shoot in the 80s. And they're like, oh, that's great. Like, low 80s or high 80s? Big difference. And then you find out they shoot in the 90s. They shot like an 89 once. And either, again, I don't care. That's You got to live to yourself. Um, all right. Tyler, thanks for calling in. Let's go back to the lines. Um, I don't know much about this one. I remember, like, just sometimes I'll hear a message and I'm just like, flag it. We got we to gotta listen to it. It's a good one. Uh, JoJo, play it. Hey, Jay. What's going on, man? Hey, I play uh, Callaway Clubs. My name is Tyler Evans. I, uh, Two Tyler's. I Callaway. been living in San Diego for a few years and oh. whittled down to a seven handicap recently. But anytime I get in a greenside bunker, I feel like I'm a 30 handicap. I mean, I play Torrey Pines almost every weekend, and my stats say I'm sitting looking at four strokes when I'm sitting in a green-sized bunker to get in the hole, and I just I can't figure out the touch out of these bunkers, whether I want to chunk it and let it run up or whether I want to get some spin on it. It's a complete guessing game for my, my bunker swing. So any advice would be greatly appreciated. Tyler, isn't this, this, is the, this is the greatest thing about golf. This guy's a seven handicap, which is about what I, I stopped keeping my index, if I'm going to be honest with everybody, about two years ago, but I still play to a seven. If I go somewhere, I'm like, yeah, I'm a seven or whatever it is. I haven't gotten better. If anything, I've gotten worse. And when, you know, if you've ever had a, uh, not life altering, but life slowing down injury, like for me, the Achilles, I couldn't walk for a month. You know what I mean? And I couldn't drive a car for two months and I definitely can't play golf and I can't jog. It's going to be like, it'll be total like five or six months before I'm able to jog, you know? So it altered my life. It changed it. I had to like reapproach it. And when I go back to it, um, I'm going to keep an index. I'm going to go back and start fresh and start keeping an index. So, um, but how great is it? This guy's a seven handicap works at Callaway playing Tory all the time. You know, Callaway's down there close to Tory Pines and in the greenside bunker, the guy's saying it's four strokes. Tyler, what is going on, brother? Here's the deal. I don't know. You know what I mean? I have two approaches. I have – this is how I handle – first of all, you put me in, in a fairway bunker where I'm anywhere that's like 120 or longer away, I'm dreading it. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, hit it like you're hitting off a piece of glass, Jay. Like it's a piece of glass. 
And I'm like, okay. It's easier said than done. It's just not a shot that I have like it, my skill set doesn't go that high. So that anytime I'm in that position, I'm like, all right, I just have to focus as hard as I can. And anything that I don't chunk 30 yards out is a win, you know? So it's just, so I guess I can relate because I'm like a seven and that's a problem for me. And it might not be for you, Tyler, but like for me, I have a 58 degree and a 54 degree in my bag, right? So if it's a bunker that's like, I don't have a lot of green to work with, I'm 58 degree out of there. I'm just like trying to get it up and down close to the hole. If I have a lot of room or it's not, it's like green side, but not like there's like rough, you know, between the bunker that I'm going with the uh, 54, right? And everyone can tell you, you got to hit behind the ball into the sand. Let the sand do the work. That's not true. You know what I mean? If you get in and it's like concrete because it rained last night and you realize like, oh, I can just pluck this thing. Or if it's like super fluffy, you know, or if you played three holes back and it felt fluffy, but right under the fluff was like concrete and you end up hitting the thing 40 yards, you got to make adjustments, you know? So like, I think, like I say all the time, because I'm not a golf pro, okay, and I'm not a therapist. What I would do is I would go to, I mean, dude, you work in Callaway, brother. There must be like, you must be near, you must have some practice facility where you can just dump a hundred balls in a sand trap and just start boink, boink, hitting them out. That's what I would be doing. I would be going to whatever my local, you know, for me, there's a couple places I could go where I can just hit out of the trap. You know, if if I haven't played in a while, I'll always do that. Like, I'll hit the range, and then I'll, like, I'll get there early, hit the range. Like, you know, um, Rustic Canyon out here is a course I like. And I'll hit the range, and then they have a great little practice area. And it's like a shitty tr- sand trap. And it doesn't matter if I'm hitting the sand shots close to the hole. It's just about repetition. It's about getting comfortable with it. Now, if you're doing all this, Tyler, and you're still, and I don't know what to tell you, brother, maybe you're not a seven. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's like anything. You just practice it. I mean, it could be the thing. You put it further back in your stance and you open up. I'm literally almost completely open to the hole when I'm in a sand trap. You know what I mean? And I'm like throwing my wrists and I'm choked down. I get close to the ball. That's, you know, that's me. I try not to tell anyone. Everyone can have their own approach to it unless someone asks me. So get a, there's got to be a golf pro at Callaway. What, how are you even asking me this, bro? That's what I'd be doing. That's what I would be doing. Um, I appreciate you calling in, Tyler and Tyler, the two Tylers. This next message was all about how to get over a lost ball. Let's, let's listen to it, and then we're going to give a call and uh and and talk this one out so let's let's listen to this one real quick hey jay eric anders lang told me to call you my name is kaz i play tricks on gloves tricks on guy but i uh, got a question it happens to everyone but when you lose a ball what do you do or what do you think about so that you stay in the game and stay positive because it's pretty frustrating for some of us when we lose the ball our mindset starts to go upside down again my name is Kaz yeah okay let's I, I think there's more to this that's why I want to call this cat Kaz, okay? I don't know if anyone knows a Kaz out there, but that's who's calling in. Let's get him on the horn, and let's talk this one out, because I got some questions, okay? Hello, this is Kaz. Kaz, this is Jay from the Golf Line. Hey, Jay. What's up, buddy? How are you? Doing well. Let me ask you this, Kaz. Uh, you, you told me you have a tough time getting over a lost ball. That was the message. I, yes. And I appreciate you guys reaching out and let me be uh part of the conversation. Um, I'm sure everyone, I'm sure everyone goes through it, but, uh, 
I can I ask so you a question before sometimes. before we before we get into anything? Can I ask you one question? Sure. Who is playing Strixon clubs? I I don't know if I've ever met a human being that's playing Strixons. <laughs> I don't, you know, I uh, a little while, a couple of years ago, I went to get fitted, and um, I don't know, just that they put me in the in some Strixon irons, and I hit them well, and I really liked them, and I've stuck with them ever since. They worked for me. I like it. All right, that's all you need. That's a that's all I need to know. And you play in the Strixon balls too, then. Yeah, I mean, I like the Strixon balls, but you know. Based on my question, you probably can realize I lose a few balls, and so I'll just play, play what what I have available. But wait, what's so, your home? Is your home course have a lot of water, a lot of woods? What, what's going on? Um, yeah, there's. Um, I'm I'm out here in Utah, so we get you know, some mountain golf, and um, there's a lot of trees. There's some water, on, depending on the course, but yeah, I'd probably say that when I'm losing balls, the majority of the time it's in in trees or woods or something like that. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's not now here's my question. Is it tough for you to get over the fact that you lost the ball and you're, and you're not playing well because we can duff shots. It's the same thing, yeah. but you're talking about, is it, it's not the cost of the ball. You're just like the idea that you lost this ball and you have to move on. That's the biggest thing for me really is I hit the ball. I mean, you know, especially if, one of the, the most frustrating times is when you feel like you hit the ball well and of then course. you go up and you can't find it, you know, it's not there or whatever. So that's mm-hmm. hard. And then you realize, okay, I'll well, have to drop or um, go back to the, you know, tee box, whatever. Um, I think it's just kind of the mental thing, not necessarily having to get new balls or anything. I feel like I find balls all the time on the course anyway, or just go buy a box or whatever. But what are you playing? More of what the, are you playing to right now? What's that? What's your handicap? I'm uh, just a little over 12. I'm like 12.7. All right, Kaz, first things first, brother. If you hit a ball and it goes in the drink or it goes OB over a fence and it's gone, there's there's no going back to the tee box. You know what I mean? You just right. drop. Right, yeah. You, you know what yeah, I mean? You can't be going right, back. We're saying. not on tour here, bro. Yeah. You can't be beating yourself, <laughs> doing the walk of shame back to the tee box. Sure. Yeah. You know You're what right. I mean? I've hardly ever done that, but. I mean, if you're in that situation, I maybe some people would, but yeah, you know, I always look at it. I'm like lost ball. Now, listen, even if it's like a sleeve of brand new Pro V's, I'm like, all right, let's just focus. If anything, it gets me to focus better, and it just comes with the territory with golf, brother. If you're out there, you just know you're gonna hit bad. Just it's going to happen when you know you're a 12. So par 72. Let's say you're averaging around mid 80s high 80s sometimes low 80s -hmm. whatever you can't i think we all do the same thing we hit the first hole and we're like if i let's just par let's just par and then we're like oh my god i could even par and then two parts i could be even par let's stay focused and then you hit the double bogey and then you're like forget it that's done i'm never gonna shoot par. (laughs) you just can't you know you just have to take it you you watch the pros on tv and it's insane They'll hit one in the yeah. drink and they just put another ball down and they hit like it's no problem and they continue because right. they know it's, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the game, bro. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if, I, I mean, for if me, the hard, the hard part is just getting over that, right. And just putting the ball down and this focus on focusing on the net shot. That's what you have to do. But sometimes you get hung up on, oh, it's going to be extra strokes or whatever. And it's going to be hard to scramble for par or bogey, whatever it might be. Well, so, you know, I mean, if right. you if you look at it like you're a 12, so you have six strokes aside to fuck up. You know what I mean? Maybe you just need to right. change your thinking. Instead of trying to get down below what you're at, why don't you start with what you're at and be like, okay, on the first side, I was five over. I'm Now I could shoot seven yeah. over on the back, you know, and maybe look at it that way. And maybe that's going to change your philosophy. You know, I don't know. How old yeah. are you, Kaz? I'm uh, 10, 30. Dude, happy birthday. When's your birthday? Let me guess. Don't tell me. It's September 23rd. We're recording. I'm going to guess your birthday is September 10th. No, it's uh, it was a month ago. It was August 22nd. Okay. All right. Pretty well, close. And guess what, bro? You're 30. Are you taking lessons? <laughs> you know, I haven't yet. But Go! I mean, when I was younger. 
You're a 12 <laughs> right now. You take lessons. By the time you're 32, you could be down to like a five, and you're not going to be worrying about lost balls. That is a fact, yeah. Jack. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about that for a while. I just need to do it. But What's your cash situation? Right. Are you tight? Are you flush? I mean, yeah, I'm not – I mean, you know, keep an eye on it every once in a while, but I feel like I'm doing pretty good. You're watching golf at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. I think you're doing great. Get yourself yeah. some lessons, Kaz, and then check in with us in about six months and tell us that you're down to an eight. <laughs> I will do, Jay. I appreciate I appreciate the confidence. All right, brother. Appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in, and uh, don't worry about those lost balls. They just come with the territory. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Thanks for the call. Talk to you later. Later. I mean, listen, if your name is Kaz, we're calling you back. Kaz with the Strix songs. I've never met anyone who's played Strix songs. And I'm saying, like, I've never been paired up at a course and some guy's playing Strix songs. Never. But the bigger thing comes down to the fitting. You know what I mean? It comes down to the fitting. Um, And, you know, if you're going for a fitting, the guy obviously cares. Uh, It's something to think about. Uh, we got to pay the greens fees, so we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with our interview with entitled housewife, Becky Robinson. Thanks, guys. You're the first guest that's worn a golf glove on the podcast, I think is fantastic. <laughs> it's not a golf glove. Yeah, I know it's not. I mean, what happened to you? We are both we both got <laughs> injured. I ruptured my Achilles, and then you did that. Yeah. Did I tell you already how I got injured, like texting or Instagram? Because I've been making up so many stories that I can't even keep my own lies straight anymore. <laughs> Why are you just, just to mess with people to have fun with it? Well, I like it happened. And then I, I was kind of taking a break, which I realized like I'm very much not good with breaks. <laughs> yeah. You are a go, um, just, go, you know, go. Yeah. I just had too much free time on my hands. Like had a couple too many Patronis and I just tripped and fell and I was wearing a really chunky ring and my finger just, it got so dislocated that like five different doctors couldn't pop it back into place. So I had to spend the night in the hospital, get surgery. And this doctor was like, you know, everyone has got an extra bone in their hand that just kind of floats around. Right. And I was like, no, not right. Like, what do you mean an extra bone? And he was like, well, that's what's getting in the way of popping your finger back in. So, um, yeah, they put me up in the tower at Cedar Sinai. It was a pretty plush experience overall, but it was like embarrassing. Wait, why the doctors you, are coming in. What? Why? Why did you get put up in the tower? Because I don't think they trusted to send me home. Once it's like pre-op, they're like, you know, you can't eat after a certain time and stuff. And I was like, I can go home. I don't know. They were being very odd. Like they they moved me from the ER to my room on a stretcher. Just for my finger. So I'm laying out on a stretcher in the elevator. Like, I'm like, I can walk, you know? Like, I'm, I'm really yeah. fine. They're like, you're drunk. So, no, first of all, <laughs> is a Patroni a drink or is that just what you call Patron shots? That's just what I call Patron shots. Patronis? You yeah. have a nickname for everything, don't you? Yeah, I do. I love that I, about you. I like, I like a nickname. But yeah, so it, I had, sorry, I was, to get to the point, um, I had to, once work started the following week, I had like all these um, TV interviews lined up for the shows I was doing that weekend in Indianapolis, like Bob mm-hmm. and Tom and stuff, like more press than I had done maybe like ever in my career just so happened to be the following week. And so I made up a different story for every news channel just for fun. Um, oh, I love it. What was your favorite that you let in with? That's tough. Because everyone was like, let me guess, you fell out of a golf cart? Because <laughs> I did all the interviews as entitled oh, housewife. So they're like, yeah. well, let me get you with this fresh bit. Um, but I was like, no, I kept going back. The thing I like, liked most about everything that I said was I kept going back to like, the reason I got injured is because I was sober. I fell out of a tree trying to get my son Dashel. And the only reason it's broken is because I was sober when it happened. And I would never get hurt falling out of a golf cart because I would have been drinking then. Just kind I wish of you would have told to people. That. I wish you would have said like, "Listen, Dashel was out of control, and I never hit him. And this one time, it was I just let loose." <laughs> 
And obviously, that would have been, I, I should have consulted with you first. I mean, I just think back to like newscasters coming at you with with jokes. The the thing is, yeah. As a professional joke maker, sometimes you're around other people that aren't they're professional or they're funny in their group, and then they come at you, and you're just like. You see, it's it's like if you went and played tennis with like a pro tennis player, they would just be like. So sometimes we yeah. have to like just be like, oh yeah, that that is like you know, you have to just let it yeah. all go and be like, you know what, this person's funny. You you're, you're used to just being around people that just slay constantly. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes so I good for you. I find it easier to just not let them speak. <laughs> Thank you so much, Becky. but um, I think you had the best the best idea there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we obviously knew each other through comedy, but then we you came on and played some characters on the Connor Moore show, which you slayed, mm-hmm. and you have and entitled is such a golf figure for so many people. Like when you started entitled, it wasn't just her being in the golf world, it was her being this entitled housewife, right? Or was she always meant to be inside the golf world? No, I, um, she wasn't, she was really just inspired by my parents, but like there were little giblets of, of golf things, like nuance because of my dad, because the character was so much like my mom and dad infused in it. Um, that like, I think in the first video, like I turned on the golf channel or the golf channel just came on in the car that I went to shoot the first video. And then I was like, that works for this character. And that is also making me laugh. Every time I get in my dad's phone car, it's like, welcome back to the golf channel. You're with, uh, you know. It's just like, my God. So there were just little things. And um, it, it wasn't until I, like the second video I shot, there was a girl that owns the country club. Her family owns Langdon Farms in Oregon. And she like damned me. I was like, I love Entitled, like come shoot a video. And I was like, I've always been kind of nervous of golf courses ever since I was a kid because of my like experience with them growing up and the way my dad was and how serious he took it. So I was always like kind of shied away from it. But I think that's why I also like wanted to make fun of it in that first video. I've always thought it was like funny and there were a lot of things wrong with it. Right. But weren't you like a, you were like a, I mean, I don't know if you were professional, but like gymnast, you went really far, right? How far, like what, how far did you go with gymnastics? Yeah. Well, the thing about gymnastics is like, once you get to a certain level in gymnastics, like you're going to be good at 12 other sports, you know? (laughs) Right, like, but I'm saying, did the intensity... I was, I was a competitive... But were you beating yourself up and being intense over gymnastics the way your dad was over golf, or was he just intense on you with everything? No, I think that I I felt like I had a career as a kid because of gymnastics, because of how intense it was. So the second I stopped doing gymnastics, like every other sport, because I went straight from gymnastics into platform diving and then like into figure skating and then... Um, like competitive cheerleading and just like everything extreme. Like I have uh, competitive snowboarding, freestyle snowboarding. I did a backflip before I learned how to like 360. So it was just like everything extreme. And then it was kind of like, why don't we try some, some sports that will be in high school maybe, and just see if you can make some, you know, some friends in your grade, you know? <laughs> and um, so my dad put us in junior golfers, but we were like way too old. Am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah. Okay. I like how there's a little bit of a delay too. It's like we're on the news. Um, you know what? Hold on real quick. Before you, I just want to know what's the highest you ever platform dive from? Uh, what, whatever the highest was. Is it, is it one meter, two meter, three meter? All the I don't know what meters one, are. Two, Nobody knows what meters are. What, what country do you think this is? I was third. I was I was 13 when I was doing it. I, I don't know what meters are, but it's like the one meter platform dive, the two meter, and then the three meter. I'm pretty sure. So height is know. no big you deal. Know, you I were was like, watch this. Old. I was growing. Yeah, I was growing like my first, like that's like the age you get like pubes. And I was like wearing these tight swimsuits. And I was like, I can't do this shit. This is scarier than gymnastics. <laughs> like I, I thought, I kept trying to trade one thing in for the other. Like I was like, the balance beam is too scary. Let me go to platform diving. And then I was like, fuck, that's scary also. And then I went to like hurdles and track and doing like the 400. And I was like, everything is just hard. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, but golf, I just remember 
uh, yeah, I was like, I'm not going to be this intense about like, I found a way to have fun with every sport, I think. And I found a way to like laugh really hard in gymnastics. And I didn't think that was possible in golf for the way my dad treated it and the way that everyone seemed like, so like this, I was just like, Oh, this is something that's not going to be right for me. Cause I don't think I can ever like, I just remember I was 16 years old. All the junior golfers are 12 years old and I'm teaching them every cuss word, you know, I'm like, okay, so this is bitch. This is fuck. This is fuck shit. This is snipple dick. And they're just like these little kids that are hitting the ball way farther than us. They're just, they're so wealthy, you know, and they're such little snobby bitches. And me and my friend Sarah are like showing up. We're 16. We're hungover. We're like drinking with college kids for the first time ever. And like our, we just kept getting in trouble for our Abercrombie shorts being too short. And like, we weren't good golfers. And it was just like, we just want to go to the pool. Like we're not meant to be here. And um, yeah. And my dad was very upset about that, but I think I did win a trophy. I ended up being like accidentally good at golf. Would you um, like, would you do like round offs into the class? Like just <laughs> tumbling thing, thing, thing into like a backflip and then land and be like, okay, Fuck shit, bitch, everybody. And then go into like swing drills. Basically. Yeah. I do the worm in. I roll. Well, first of all, I'd roll up in my forerunner, which I inherited from my brother that had two 12 inch subwoofers, which is completely unacceptable at the 12th country club. <laughs> Just mm -hmm. blasting yin yang twins. Pop that pussy. Yeah. You know, and, uh, <laughs> It just wasn't right. But I remember being pissed from a very young age at the golf course because they always got sent home from our shorts being too short. But then I would see the men like my dad and, and my dad doesn't really drink on the golf course, but like all of his buddies would be like getting fucked up and just wielding their dicks around pissing in the woods. And my dad would be like, yeah, we got to bet to see who can pee outside more times this year than inside and just all sorts of shit. And I was like, well, I don't see like women being able to do any of this. So I really, that struck a chord with me at a young age. And I think it bubbled up when I first started doing Entitled. And I think the game is like, it seems like it's really changed because I mean, or at least, I don't know, something I've done with Entitled because when I come to these clubs and I'm like accepted and I'm able to say my jokes as I've written them, I'm like, I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do this. Yeah. Kind of because well, of the way my dad treated it, but also just because it's like, it just, I was like, I assumed it would always be like a corporate style gig where it's like you have to be clean totally well yeah, yeah. also a lot of times you get country clubs will book comedians to come in and then they want you to be clean or they tell you to be clean but the audience doesn't want you to be clean it's like they want you to be clean because they yeah. think that's what the audience but the audience doesn't want that they want you to let loose because they're looking to let loose i mean you've never been in a country club where people aren't yeah. letting loose secondly i want to say yeah, that's what i really noticed what I want to say is I hope you'll – I think you'll appreciate this. I take my daughter camping and I don't – when she needs to go to the bathroom, I just go, yeah, right there. Go over to that bush. You know what I mean? I'm like, why is it that men just get to pee outside but women can't except that women – you know, I'm like, yeah, you go do this. When we go on like uh, hiking, she's like, I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Read, you watch that way. I watch that way. Go ahead. And she goes right over there and I'm like, that's what – that's what – a girl should know at five. You know what I mean? That's so cool that you do that. I've never known another dad to do this. You're a big outdoors guy, though, it seems. You're always, every morning, your Instagram story is you and your outdoor shower. So you seem a I mean, bit of an outdoorsy fella. I chop wood to stay in what shape. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. How's that working for you? <laughs> what, with her? Chopping wood to stay in shape. <laughs> you better watch your step right now. Let's tell me. A, <laughs> you know what? The thing is. Wait, let me ask you, you this really quick, though. What's up? No, go ask me. Oh, I was going to say, do you feel the same about like if she got the shits in the woods? Or would you be like, we got to find somewhere. I mean, the woods oh, is the well, woods, but like, I just remember one time we were camping when I was little and I shit out of a tree and then I like threw a rock in it and it splattered and my mom, I was like grounded, but that was pretty messy. Listen, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb and say there's a big difference between needing to go to the bathroom urgently in the woods and climbing a tree, shitting out of it and then throwing <laughs> rocks in the puddle of shit. I mean, that's, maybe that's me, maybe everyone... <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe everyone else would be like, nah, that's the same thing. <laughs> this is what I this is what I think is great. About, <laughs> listen, this is what I think is great about what you've been able to do with Entitled is that you created something because it used to be as comedians, we did comedy, you'd go on the road, people wouldn't know you, and then they decided to like you, and then you got fans. Now you're able to create mm -hmm. something, show the world, and then when you go do shows, those fans show up. So obviously it's, it must be refreshing for you to be like, oh, I can just do my thing and not have to worry about people. Tell me about, you were telling me that first show on tour in Sacramento. What was going on in that, that first show on tour? Was that your first show taking Entitled Out on the Road or what? Yeah, it uh, it was the first show back. And I, I basically told my team, like, I think the show will be ready by September. And they were like, all right, we got your first booking August 14th. And so I was just hold, shitting hold up. not out of a tree this time. And Hold on. Let me just say yes. for, our, for those of, that maybe never seen a live show, what you do in a live show oh. is not like stand-up. There's like interaction, sketches, costume changes. You're putting on a performance. You're like a Vegas show, right? I don't know why I did this to myself. <laughs> <laughs> it is killing me. It's, it's at first I was, cause when we were first coming out of COVID, I was like, I want my show to, well, before COVID, I had also, I was incubating a show at um, Upright Citizens Brigade. That was a like multi-character one woman show. This was pre-entitled housewife. And it was like, fine. I was workshopping it to get it ready to take it on the road. But like, I took it to New York and I was like, oh, this is hard going to the subway with all my props and all my costumes and just like, like I had a, a torch for one bit and like a sh welding shield and just like all this stuff. And New York was like one of the hardest places to like try and get a show on its feet. And if you don't live there, I guess, I don't, I don't know. But um, then when lockdown hit, yeah, like I had a good, we did two virtual shows at my manager's studio where entitled had already been out. So I produced two like one hour specials that were like, 20 minutes of stand up, a bunch of sketches, original songs. Um, and then like we would do some live, a couple live sketches like SNL style, like really loosely scripted. Let's improv and like see where this goes just for fun. Um, Cause I like a little element of messiness to my performance. Um, yeah, like toes. pooping out of a tree. Yeah. And um, like pooping out of a tree, you know what I mean? And, um, and so that was kind of like a good two time like workout. And, in that second show, the first show, we sold like a crazy amount of tickets. And before when I was headlining, it was like, you know, not selling many tickets, you know, just like mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been doing stand up for like 11 years. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, I, this character just struck a chord with so many people. And um, so I just kind of built the show and I was like, I want this show to be a party. I don't want people to feel weird coming out of COVID. And like feel weird sitting in a live audience. I don't want them to feel scared at all. I want them to just like go fucking crazy because in my videos I was going crazy. And so I was mm -hmm. like, I think there's an audience for this. So I'm going to build a show like this and just like make it at the end of the day, no matter what, even if it sucks ass, like we're going to have a party and we're going to have fun. But then like after a year of that, I'm like, my hairs are turning gray. <laughs> just like This show in Sacramento, I was, everyone came dressed up. It was like my first show back after like, you know, headlining like for, for now, 10 we, years. I was like, I'm not a headliner. Like I never really felt confident <clears throat> headlining. Do you tell people to dress up like, or does everyone just show up as no. entitled or like in golf outfits? Like, are they just going nuts? Yeah. I didn't tell anyone to dress up. I had no idea that was going to happen. Um, yeah, it was, it was just wild. And then just down to like the T of the little details, like there's a couple little character details with her. Like I always have one or two golf tees and her visor and the AirPods mm -hmm. are always in. And like everyone comes to the shows with all that stuff on. <laughs> like oh, they watch the show with AirPods on the whole time <laughs> and they'll bring their tennis racket. So you being able to get away with stuff that you didn't think you'd be able to get away with, uh, like what about, <clears throat> you've told me that you get hired to go to like, go to like member guest tournaments at country clubs and just ride around with a bullhorn and go crazy. Is that when you're pussy popping? Is that when you're popping that puss yeah. on the golf carts or like, what is that? <laughs> well, because so I mean the member guests, what's up? I was just going to say like, 
I know that you have such a huge fan base with women golfers or female golfers or, but every time I, I mean, I lose it over entitled and I know that some big name people that are men have lose it over entitled. Like if I was playing a member guest and I saw entitled cruising around, I would lose it and just be like, how, how do we get her in our foursome? Like, tell me about it. <laughs> well, you just ask, you just send a little DM and then I make it happen. Um, it's yeah. The member guests are riding around with the bullhorn. Like the, the contracts are so funny that come in or just like the requests. They're like, we're thinking we slap her on the back of the golf cart. We'll, we'll hook a, a speaker to it. We really want to like fuck with people and throw them off. And, um, and, and then I'll get to the club and like, you know, Bob Parsons was the first one who was like, because we have these, you know, you have these initial meetings and like, I took them so seriously at first. So I was like, okay, this is a country club. Like, and I just, I was so not used to being accepted as who I am until I started doing entitled. And like my other character, Susie Chapstick was the first little taste I ever got of that. I was like, oh, I say <laughs> the jokes. Like I mean them a lot more. Susie was like an eighties mm-hmm. alcoholic skier. They're all just alkies. But, um, they were like, yeah, whatever your hundred percent is, we want 150. Like the you, oh. there's no chance of you being too vulgar. Too, there's no joke that's too dirty for these crowds. Trust me, they're filthy. Like that's what the the whoever the top person at the country club will like. That's my briefing, basically. Nice. They're just like, just go fucking nuts. These people will love it. And <laughs> um, and so yeah, I'll ride around the golf cart. I'll, I'll roast roast their swings like. I'll, you know, have a drink with them. I'll, I'll hit some balls with them. We'll, we'll dance. We, you know, take pictures. We'll make videos together. Um, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people that have like suffered so much in the past couple of years. So people will be like, you did a cameo for my friend. She's like going through chemo. Like, can we FaceTime her right now? And so we, I love doing that and just being like, how's it going? Fuck stick. You know, just like treating people as people and like busting everyone's balls on the same level has been <laughs> fun. Now, let me, well, let me ask you this. You, remember, you invited me to go with you. That's what I was going to media- bring up because that was the time I did get in trouble. Yeah. we The media day, Tory Pines, US Open. I couldn't believe uh-huh. you were like, will you come hang out? Maybe help me with some jokes. I'm like, yeah. I, I would say by the third hole, you had recorded, I don't know, 18 like home run videos. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm sure now we'll just loosen up and golf a little. Nope. You, every hole, you just kept, like, you're so dedicated to the point where you were climbing in a tree at Torrey Pines. <laughs> and then what happened? Like, what happened? You were just being crazy. I think you were probably looking for a good place to take a dump. But what happened? <laughs> <clears throat> oh, Jay. Um, well, I think I one thing that I've, like, been learning through therapy and such is I think I'm just very hard on myself and no matter what I do in golf because of the way my dad was or because of the way of like the sports upbringing like no matter how many jokes come out I'll never think they're good enough and I'll never think that I have enough to make a minute video or a two minute video I'm always like nope none of this is funny enough like you can always keep going to the point where I do kind of like it it's uh it hurts a little bit you know but I think yeah. we're I don't you might have been filming I climbed the Torrey Pine and I felt that it was very barky right away. And I wanted to get a good like shot of me falling out of the tree. Um, Just like what happens if entitled hits her ball up into the tree. And that was a genuine slip. I think actually I did want to try to like chip it out of the tree. And I did slip. I was wearing like platform pumas and I I skidded all the way down the tree, like a, like a dog trying to climb a tree. And the email that I got after that week made my heart, drop out of my anus dude did i send it to you <laughs> no did i send it to you oh th- i, I told so, you about no. it though right yeah of course oh my god yeah the the subject title was like we've got a very fairly serious problem so right away i'm like shit 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 and then the emails just like the tory pines are one of the most um rare trees in existence to date they're nearly extinct and the ones at Tory Pines specifically have like been brought over from wherever the fuck. It was just like all these, like a, a whole novel on Tory Pines that like nobody would know. And like the fact that I had like chipped a little bit of the bark was just like, you know, like, this video has to be taken down immediately. Otherwise, the course 
is going to take action and we're not going to be able to host the U.S. Open there. It's like, oh, oh my God. What? They're like, what? I just. What do you mean you're not going to be I, able to host? Like, insane. They're like, I just want to let you know that Tiger Woods has been having heart palpitations since this video. And if you want Tiger Woods to die, how is that? I mean, outside of. Outside of your responsibility to the Tory Pines, do you feel like as a as a woman in sports and golf and like being a golf influencer, do you do you, do you feel like you need to push the boundary or do you feel like you need to like what is it like? Tell me how you connect to that, because I love what you do and I love watching you do what you do. But clearly you're very um conscious of what you're doing and why you're doing it do you do you have like a do you feel like you have some sort of responsibility or what is that what's that like yeah i think so i think i've just i've grown up like loving eric andre and sasha baron cohen and being like i've always loved doing man on street stuff ever since i was like you know a teen and kind of like pushing boundaries and i always just found that it was really cool as like a woman i was like i can break in anywhere And people will not really suspect that I'm going to be up to no good necessarily right away until maybe I get kicked out. (laughs) But um, I never really saw like women getting down, like really in the trenches with those types of videos. And I was always like, I think because of like doing sports and stuff, I was like, I, I, you know, I used to do like young Hillary Clinton and I used to go to nightclubs dressed as like a young Hillary Clinton to like rock the urban vote. And she'd be like doing oh back God. handsprings and like break dancing and being like, all right, vote for Hillary. And just anything to like kind of, I don't know, I guess, you know, I'm the youngest. I love attention, but I'm very aware of it because I think there's a lot of people who like, I just want to do something. I think there's a lot of crazy people that take things so seriously. And I don't think I've taken anything serious since I was little and I'm not like so into one thing specifically. So I think it's fun to kind of like, not so much just make fun of people, but like kind of champion it and like put myself in their shoes and like pretend to be that way for a day, but obviously exaggerated to see like, what is this like? How do you live like this? Because I think it's so ridiculous and so funny how serious people can take themselves in those types of worlds. Like I think my dad took himself so seriously that like, and when I see the golf influencers, like they're setting up all their cameras, like I have to get this shot and it's like full hair and makeup. And, you know, there's like some people that like will not perform without like full hair and makeup. And that's great. Like do your thing. But like, that's not, that's not my intention. Like I am mm-hmm. always like in everything I do, I'm just like, I just want to do the funniest possible thing. Um, and like, yeah, let I people that know movie. that it's okay to be like, it's okay to be loud. But yeah, I am very aware of it. And like, have a shit ton of anxiety about it. <laughs> what about what would be an ultimate like goal for you in golf with entitled? Like what, what's the pinnacle or is there a pinnacle or is there something that you've been trying to do that you want to do that all the listeners can get behind and we can make happen? Let me tell you all my secret plans. Yes. Not secret. Well, you just give us one secret plan. I think that the community that I've built is so fucking insanely amazing that um, like the Cuntington country club (laughs) is going to have either a physical club or some sort of like virtual Soho house style membership where it's like, we are all doing all these things together. Like just, I mean, there's just no limits, you know? live golf but but better you know also i think doing something to like parody or play with live golf would be really funny too i i'm just you know i see the money being tossed around and you know obviously i'm i'm thirsty for that so i just want to keep <laughs> going going all over the place like meeting these people i've met so many women that are just like it's, it's funny to meet these women they, they fly private to every member guest like you know normally you see them once a year at this specific Scottsdale member guest or something, but there's one that just so happens to be at every single one. She's got like the most root boosted blonde hair, 17 kids, husband's a big real estate mogul, and she just plays like shit, but has the best time, always the most fucked up. And um, yeah, I just think the community is exciting and 
don't know. I just want to keep laughing with everyone. And I think women in sports, it's, it's, it's not just having a moment, like it is forever changed and it will be changed from here on out because people have worked so hard to make it that be like that. And so I want to do whatever I can to like be at the forefront of that. And like, you know, that is something performing I love or bringing about. joy to as many people as I can. Yeah. And you know, that's something that's amazing to me about the LPGA is that it's golf is almost the only sport where men can watch women athletes and relate to their ability because they're on a golf course. And when you play golf, like that's the thing about that I love about golf is you could go play a course that pros play and feel what it's like. You can't ever know what it's going to be like to <clears throat> play in the NBA or face a, a fastball from a major leaguer and how you would, you, you'll, you're never going to be able to do any pro sport. But golf, you can relate to it because you can go do it from where professional people pl play it. And when you take that mm -hmm. level where, like, you know, you can watch Nelly Corda drive a bomb and just be like, God damn it. Like, you see that live and you're just like, oh, I mean, no one can rebut it. You just – it's right there in your face. No dude can be like, yeah, I could yeah. beat her. No, you're going to see it and you'd be like, nah, I can't even come close yeah. to doing that. Which I love, and I yeah, you happens. do that you you break that in comedy so well, especially because I don't know anyone who pushes the limits as far as you push them, and I love I love what you do, and I'm so oh. glad you came out and and you came and hang out so, with me. That's so nice to hear. Uh, that's it's also interesting to hear what you just said. I like because I I think I'm still learning what the like important courses are. <laughs> yeah, and I've gotten in the places where you do get like yelled at. So that'll be, that'll be an interesting over the next few years to see like the places that I get. I, when we went to the Olympic club in San Francisco, I did like an Instagram video popping the puss on top of a golf cart. And I put Cardi B's <laughs> wet ass pussy song, I put the WAP song in the background on it. It was, uh -huh. it was the day before Tory Pines. Yeah. Okay. And my dad called me and screamed at me. Like, you better take that fucking gal right now. Are you kidding? The Olympic club, Becky. Do you know who plays at the Olympic Club? Like, I, I burst into tears. <laughs> you should have been like, hey, Dad, do you know uh, how many allegations have probably come against people at the Olympic Club? Yeah. You know, but I, I didn't know, know any of that at the time. If I, wish, yeah. I, if I would have had you by my side, I would have known. I didn't have any rebuttal whatsoever. I was just like, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know, I'm I like, don't I'm know. I'm 30, but I'm so sorry. You're going to have to be a pretty chill dad and accepting dad to to watch your daughter or son do what you do and be mad chill about it. Because it's never about you. It's your parents are just seeing what their friends are going to think when they see it about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I will, Honestly, I'm I will, yeah. I will knock your dad into shape. I would love to see you two go out and curse. Um, when I, when I first, when I put out my first entitled video and it got, it like went viral, um, I showed my parents cause it was inspired by them, you know? And, yeah. um, and I was like proud of it. I was like, I got, you know, all these new followers and I was like, this is so fun. Like a new character is exciting. It's like when you have a new joke and you're like, fuck, that feels so good. And, um, and I showed my parents and they didn't laugh and they were like, you know, it just, um, a little close to home back. Okay. Right. Did you have to use the Twalton Country Club name? Did you have to use the Twalton Country Club name? That's where your father plays. He could get kicked out of the club for that. And now my dad goes golfing and he comes home. He's like, Beck, I'm fucking famous at the club. I'm famous. And he just yeah, loves totally. it now. I'm like, you guys, like, they'll never believe in me on their own. It's like, it, they have to wait until their friends tell them, you know? Yeah, of course. I, I love that. Sense. I didn't I, w I didn't have a country club as a kid, but in my town, it was Bear Hill Country Club. So in all the Connor Moore sketches that I write and there's a country club, I do Bear Hill. I always do Bear Hill. Bear Hill Country Club. And anyone from my hometown that hits me up, they're like, dude, give it a shout out to Bear Hill, bro. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know anything about the club. But I just <laughs> I love shouting out my town. Um, yeah, I know. Well, you're the best, Becky. I love you. Um, everyone can follow you, obviously, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube entitled housewife and uh 
if they can, I don't know if they can, I mean, go to your website, obviously. What is your website if they, cause all your tour dates are on there. Yeah. Yeah. Entitledhousewife.com or Becky Robinson, the great.com. Cause Becky Robinson's a crazy cat woman. So it was taken. But yeah, it's all over there. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This was so fun. I love you, man. I love you too, kid. You're the best. Becky Robinson, the entitled housewife. I love her to death. She's so fantastic. This has been a great episode. You got the two Tylers. You got a guy playing Sprixons and B-Rob, Entitled Housewife. Uh, I love her. Uh, but let's not end this episode without a mulligan. Let's give a mulligan out here. Let's see how it goes. Let's play it. Hi, this is Cart Vandalai from Queens, New York. Uh, I don't want to disclose what clubs I play because I don't show major brands. Um, and my handicap is around an 18. I'm uh, calling to tell a quick little story uh, about a time I was on a local muni course. Um, me and my friends were about, you know, it was four some of us on the last tee box. We were about 13 years old, and uh, I was playing with this kid, went by the name of Nicky Bumbazzi. Uh, was using his dad's clubs, and we all decided we were going to happy Gilmore off the last tee into the woods. Um, facing the opposite way that the hole was going. So nobody was in danger. We were just having some fun. And uh, we all step up. We had our happy Gilmores. And Nicky Bumbazzi steps up with his dad's $300 driver. And he goes to hit it. And the club head hits, takes a fat divot, doesn't even hit the ball. Club head flies off. And it tumbles down the hill. And Nicky Bumbazzi goes chasing it down the hill and immediately grabs it, clasps it to its chest, and for the entire walk down 18, all he could think about was what his dad was going to do to him when he got home with his broken $300 driver because he tried to happy Gilmore. Um, so I honestly don't have the, the end of the story of what happened to, uh, to Nicky Bumbazzi, um, but... Um, I don't know. Maybe we can speculate on that uh, as to, you know, what uh, what ended up happening. Did he have to? Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But um, yeah, just a funny little story. Don't uh, don't have to go more, or if you do, just don't be bad at golf. I guess. Got okay. it. You know what he doesn't know? He doesn't know how to tell a story, brother. Take a mulligan next time and be like, do I – have you ever been leaving a voicemail and being like, what is – like you're getting to the end of me. Like what is the point of this? And then you just wait and then you delete it and you don't send the voicemail. That's what you should have done here. First of all, I appreciate the Art Vandalay attempt with Cart Vandalay. Uh, that's a Seinfeld reference if you're not a Seinfeld fan. You know what else I know? This is not a funny story. What do you mean you're not punching? What did you say? I'm not something clubs. You're not like giving it. Like, what are you not repping clubs? You know, whatever it is. Listen to me, bro. We all have those stories that when we were young, they were hilarious. And then we get older. We still think they're funny, but no one else thinks they're funny. You know what I mean? I will too. There is a takeaway. I do have takeaways. One. I mean, I don't know his father's situation. You know what I mean? I don't know what his financial sitch is. But I'm guessing he can afford a new driver. Now, does he – Does he? first of all, dude, at 13, you lie. That's what you do at 13. You're, if you haven't – if you haven't started lying by 13, you're not doing – you're not even living life, okay? You're not even living it. Now, I don't lie anymore just because it feels good to not lie, and I love telling people what's what. But, like, what are we really talking about, bro? You know what I mean? You tried a happy Gilmore. The guy's not good at golf. I mean, you're. this was how many years ago? You're still an 18. You know what I mean? I appreciate childhood stories because for me, a guy who's still in my fantasy football league with everyone from high school, and I am the champion. Check it out. Jay Lawson, the 64 Oaks. Okay? 
yeah, I'm the current champion. So I I know what the deal is. You you know, and I and every time I'm home and I see my high school buddies, we're telling the same stories. I'm sure when you get together. But was there any pot? And I can't even – and this is part of the thing, guys. You might be like, Jay, you're being a little harsh on the guy. He didn't give his real name. He didn't give his friend's real name. He's not Nicky Boombatsy, okay? And then he tells a story that's half-assed. If you really want to get into what we're doing around here at the golf line, come correct. Give us your name. Tell us what's really going on. And maybe it makes it out. Maybe it doesn't. But if you're going to come and not give your real name and then know that you're not even a liar back then, he, couldn't he just tell his dad – I just hit a, he tried to hit a shot. It's not even lying. And you messed up. You broke the club. Big deal. Your dad can't go get a new club. Go get a new club. Now, I didn't have a dad. All right. I didn't have a dad. So I wouldn't have anyone to even lie to. But I will tell you this. I have kids now. They have their own clubs. I have my clubs. And if either my son or my daughter continues to play golf and when they're young, 13 or 14, they are taking my clubs for some reason because they don't use their clubs. By the way, all the clubs that I have for the kids are all hand-me-downs. If they don't and they use mine and they break a driver and they come home and they tell me they're happy Gilmore, I'd be like, why are you happy Gilmore? Dude, you're a good golfer. And don't worry about it. I'll get another driver. But you're not using my clubs again. But hopefully they'll just lie and be like, yeah, dad, I just, you know, and I'll be like, all right, whatever. You know, life is going to happen. Life is going to happen. If my kid crashes my car because he did something stupid, whatever. What am I going to do about it? But I definitely don't want him walking down 18, hold, cradling this driver because his, his bad storytelling friend, who I can't even call by their first name, has an issue with it. So, uh, Cart Vandalai, next time you're going to tell a story, why don't you ask yourself, if it's worth telling that story this is the golf line podcast with jay larson i'm jay larson that has been our episode of the golf line i appreciate to my everyone who called in both tylers becky robinson cart vandalai as always rate review subscribe share it with people you love share it with people you don't know talk about it on the course and one eight three three my golf line. That's the number. Call in. Leave your questions, concern, and stories that are a little bit better than the one we just heard. You know what I mean? I love you guys. Till next time. I'm Jay Larson. Golf line. Golf line. Calling on the golf line for your swing. For your swing. Golf line. Golf line. Can't you call it on the golf?